Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking about rules, rules within photography, but kind of not really rules within photography. More, I would say, as suggestions for life. We're not talking here about ants or atoms. We're talking more about generic thought, broader thought, tangential thought. And over the last week, I spotted another set of rules, this time about how to be an artist, according to Georgia O'Keeffe. And I thought they were rather good, so I'm going to share them with you. Lesson number one. Observe the world around you, closely, hungrily. Lesson two. Organisation is key to productivity. Lesson three. Don't sweat mistakes. Learn from them. Lesson number four, pay no attention to trends. Be yourself. Aside from making photographs, one of the key elements for me of photography is meeting people. And if I was to sit down and actually think about and add up and write down all of the incredible people I've met over the years, known and unknown, famous and unfamous, and even a couple of infamous in there, I would recognise that photography has been, as many of the contributors to our weekly A Photographic Life podcast strand, the what does photography mean to me, what they often recognise is this sometimes seen as a bit of a cliche, this idea of the camera as a key or a passport. But certainly for me, it has been that, and I don't shy away from that. I'm just a normal guy from South London, and no connections whatsoever in the creative world. My father was a bricklayer, and my mother a hairdresser. We grew up in a flat with no carpets and no telephone. And in fact, when I was born, my father had to run over to Tooting Broadway tube station to use the telephone to ring the doctor. The doctor couldn't hear what he was saying because the trains kept coming in. So that was my background and I've met some incredible people. And over the last few years, uh, some of the people I've met have been Bill J's daughters. We made the film that I haven't spoken about for a while now, Do Not Bend, the photographic life of Bill J. Bill J, the editor of Creative Camera Magazine, Album Magazine, a photographer, lecturer and preacher for what photography could be back in the 1960s and 1970s. Well, anyway, as I was saying, I've met Bill J's daughters and they're a wonderful uh, people and uh, they're incredibly positive and supportive of his legacy. And over the last few years, we've been uh, working together on Bill's work, trying to get some order to it and trying to find a lot of lost work. Well, I'm pleased to say that they've come across a a huge archive of um, high-resolution scans, and what they're choosing to do with those is make photographic prints for you to buy. So all you need to do is go to BillJPhotography.com where they've got 39 of Bill's portraits of famous photographers as annotated images. And what I mean by that is that Bill, in a very beautiful handwritten script, would write about the experience of photographing that person alongside the image. And the prints, prints, I should say, that they're selling include that writing. So they're on sale on their online store and um, 
I think that's well worth checking out. As well as that, uh, they've discovered, and I'm working my way through, the contact sheets of 1,600 photographs, over 400 pages of contact sheets of photographs of famous photographers. They include Ouija, Ansel Adams, David Hearn, Cornell Kappa, Philip Jones Griffiths, Dwayne Michaels, Bert Hardy, George Roger, Mary Ellen Mark, Helen Levitt, Tony Ray Jones, Helmut Newton, Bill Brandt, to name just a few. And for me, that really fits into that idea of friends and the people we meet. The great thing about Bill was he photographed them. I wish I'd photographed a lot of the people I've met over the years. I rarely introduce myself either on the podcast and in many ways uh, by name. But this week's contributor to What Does Photography Mean to You shares the same surname as me. I wonder if somewhere in the deep distant past we are related. Who knows? Who am I talking about? Well, it's Francis Scott, who's from Orkney, but is currently based in Glasgow. She graduated in photography from Glasgow School of Art in 2014 and focuses on journeys made through a landscape of personal significance. Since 2016, she's been working on a long-term project to walk and document the coastlines of Orkney. She's a founding member of the Orkney-based Motti Collective, I hope I said that correctly, and one of the organisers of Home Sound, a digital offshoot of Oi Festival. Again, I hope I've said that correctly. Probably not. But anyway, uh, Francis's first photo book, Undertow, was published by Another Place Press in February 2020, and that was followed up by another publication by the brilliant Another Place Press. Her publication, her book, titled A9. Hi there, I'm Frances Scott and I'm here to answer the question, what does photography mean to me? Photography for me is a way of gathering and keeping chosen moments from the world as I experience it, a way to freeze light and time. The acts of remembering and recording are both important to me. I've always kept diaries or hung on to ephemeral items. I liked to draw when I was young and as I got older I would relish being able to recreate the world more and more realistically on paper until I realised when I started at art school that for me photography was the answer to that need. I'm interested in the human relationship with land and place and photography is an almost unrivalled medium in which to capture and communicate this. Much of my work is based around making journeys through a landscape of personal significance and the camera creates its own conversation with the land, helping me to hold on to and decipher what I've found. And ultimately, it's a very effective way to then share these findings with an audience at a later date. For me, photography is almost an act of compulsive collecting. I use photographs to claim and keep hold of what I've experienced. The camera casts a net around these chosen moments and says... I was here, and for a short time, this was mine. I have a tendency towards working in black and white. There is something I find particularly beautiful that comes out of recreating the world in colourless tone. It reveals a delicacy or nuance of texture and form that's otherwise less noticeable uh, to the naked eye. It creates a new and separate world from the one that we exist in, 
a sideways shift into a subtle unseen land. There's a satisfaction in exposing film, in storing light and shadow as a physical object, much like an insect trapped in amber. I also appreciate and make use of the gap between making and eventually getting to see an image when working with film. There's no abrupt digital display to contend with, instantly showing me the shortcomings between what I can see in front of me and what I've actually managed to capture. Sometimes photography can be pushy, wistful and awkward. Sometimes I need to set it aside from my practice um, or, or hold it at arm's length at least uh, because otherwise I can start to fight with it. After I graduated from Glasgow School of Art in 2014, I started a new project to walk the coastlines of Orkney and after four years at art school, experiencing life sort of trapped behind a lens, I, I needed to be free from this requirement to turn every lived experience into some form of artwork. So on these initial walks, I chose to leave my camera at home and I traveled the coasts unencumbered, free to look with just my eyes, really see and remember. But after two and a half years and almost 200 miles of Orkney coastline underfoot, my film camera became my companion once again in 2018 and we've settled into this balance together as I continue my walks around the smaller islands of Orkney. This series of photographs has since found a home in my first photo book, Undertow, which was published last year by Another Place Press. It's important also to be aware of the fragmentary and incomplete nature of photographs. They can never tell the whole story, or sometimes they might take on a separate story all of their own. Um, personally, I like to use writing to sort of patch the gaps that photography can't fill. This relieves some pressure on my image making. For example, I might witness something too fleeting or too dark to capture with a camera, but because I can record it in writing instead, it's okay that I've only seen it with my eyes. Um, afterwards, whether I include it as part of a book or in an exhibition, my writing allows these visual or other sensory experiences to bloom naturally in the mind of the reader. And there's a roominess or fluidity in it that is perhaps not shared by the rigid and unbending nature of photographs. I'm interested in in landscapes that we have travelled through or experienced throughout our lives and the way that we can store memories in them and they then release these memories back to us as we travel through them. And sometimes that sort of deeper meaning or the scaffolding behind your images is difficult <laughs> without being able to sort of support it with, with writing. So for me, words and images often belong together. Photography can be a key which lets you enter other worlds. Through the photographs of others, you can travel across time and distance with an immediacy and realism afforded by few other mediums. A camera in your hand can act as a mandate to fully unleash your curiosity and to push ideas further, rewarding you with something much richer than just the photographs you've made. So for me, photography is a language, a mirror, a porthole, a joy and an escape. Thank you, Francis, for your contribution this week. 
interesting that she used the word key there just as I was talking about it at the beginning of this podcast and also suggesting that it appears in a number of the contributions that photographers have made. As you know, I never listen to the uh, contributions before you do. I just heard it there for the first time, so no pre-planning involved. Also very interesting from my perspective that she spoke, that Francis spoke, I should say, so much there about the importance of writing. We're at a time of the year when a lot of academic and teaching institutions start to look for new members of staff, either because people have left or new courses have begun or courses are evolving and developing. I know that's certainly the case for me at Oxford Brooks, where I'm currently looking for somebody to uh, work with me. So if you're interested in that, if you think you could put up with working with me uh, and the rest of the team at Oxford Brooks, then look at the Oxford Brooks University website. But what a lot of photographers are less aware of when it comes to those applications is that importance of writing. And it's something that I think photographers today are really going to have to get to grips with. The phrase I use and many other people use are transferable skills. So many photographers have these and yet perhaps do not see them as being as intrinsic to their photographic practice as they actually are. So when it comes to applying for a position within teaching, you are going to have to be able to sit down and write up an application. And that isn't just a list of the things you've done or a CV. It's much more than that. The advice I always give to everybody and anybody who asks me about moving into teaching photography at any level uh, is always the same. And it's this. I always say to people, but what's your expectation? Why are you doing this? Why are you thinking about this? Are you doing it to try and support your professional practice? Are you trying to find another income? Do you want to be a teacher? Is that something you really want to do? And are you willing to make the commitment in time and effort to the students that you're going to work with, who may be from very different generational, uh, coming at things, I should say, from very different generational perspectives? That's probably the conversation I have with people most often is that ge- about that generation gap. So if you are thinking of moving into photographic education, now's the time to be looking for jobs. A lot of them go on the, in the UK anyway, uh, jobs.ac.uk. You'll find most of the ones in higher education there. But also you may want to look at your local colleges and further education colleges and see whether or not they have any positions going. Maybe working in stores, maybe working as a technician, not just as a lecturer. So have a think about it. But before you do, make sure that you're aware of exactly what's going to be required in writing that application. There are a couple of articles on the United Nations of Photography.com website that deal with this. So I'll put links to those underneath, underneath this podcast Uh, page so that you can check them out if you want to look at things in more detail. 
I think there's one thing that we all collect. Probably everybody listening to this podcast has a penchant for collecting and purchasing photo books. In the past, they sort of fell into certain groups of the very expensive, the very collectible artefact. Or alternatively, the more kind of mass market how-to manual book. But of course, with the advent of digital printing and the growth of self-published photo books, it's now very easy to purchase a, a book, a small project in book form, anything from 10, 11 pounds up to 30, 35 pounds, around that kind of point of entry which is a point of entry which allows you to start building a a really great collection of photographic books without having to put a big outlay out there. The other way, of course, which um, actually works rather well where I live, is picking them up in charity bookshops. I seem to have a, a number of very keen photographers who live near me who are getting rid of their books to charity shops, and I snuffle them up and add them to my collection. Though, of course, quite often they're not as cheap as they used to be because a quick look on eBay or Amazon will give the correct price. But anyway, that's kind of where we are. But what I'd like to suggest in addition to that is by purchasing those digitally printed books, what you're doing is supporting the photographer as well as adding books to your own collection. You're a patron of the arts and as such you're incredibly important. Not only are you adding to the financial Uh, benefit of that photographer but you're also helping them in their mental well-being feeling that other people are interested in their work and giving them a sense of reason to continue doing what they're doing it's an all-round win-win so if you do find yourself in a position to make a small investment anything from a six seven pound cafe royal book or as we're saying with francis scott there another place press fantastically uh collectible books there quite often in small print runs so uh, once they're there they're rarely uh, reprinted but there's many books out there to do to purchase and purchase them direct from the photographer Anyway, that's my plea for this week. That's my hope for this week that you do that so that we can work as a community to all help each other out. And of course, as COVID seems to not have disappeared, and in fact, in the UK, numbers are rising and rising. One of the most important things that all of us must do physically and mentally is to take care. (laughs) 